everyone. Welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. We're just two women, wives, and moms who like girls but love God. This is a safe place for real conversation where we will talk about the real highs and lows of life as disciples with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. In this episode, we discuss the importance of finding our identity and the role parents can play during these formative years. We also talk about the pitfalls of when we look outside of God to do so. Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Messy Home from Messy Home podcast. We are really excited to have you guys with us today. Uh, Ellen and I are excited about this topic. Uh, We are going Mm -hmm. to be chatting through um, how to navigate trying to find your identity during the teen years. We're going to share a little bit about our lives and about what that experience was Uh, for the both of us. But before we jump into that, we are back with another messy moment from our (laughs) from our house. What is your messy moment? Yeah, so I have two and they I feel like they go hand in hand. So I'm gonna have two messy moments today. Uh, So the first one is if there's any other parents out there, shout out to the moments that we lose our patience. But this week, I lost my patience with my daughter. And she is going to be five in February. Very well-spoken. If anybody out there listens and knows my daughter, you know that is true. And I snapped at her for some reason. And she turns around and she was like, Mommy, how would you feel if I did that to you? And I was like, "Hmm, you know what, sweetie? I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't like that. I'm really sorry. And so I had to apologize to her. And then I think probably in that same day, my mom and I were leaving to go on a walk with my kiddos. And we live on the top floor at our condo complex. And all of a sudden, we just hear like a thud, 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 thud. And there my son is lying at the bottom of the stairs. Um, just laid out. Of course, he was crying. Luckily, my mom says this fun fact that when babies fall, they usually tuck their chin just naturally, which is great to know because luckily there was no blood, not even any bruises. I think he was just a little shaken up, but I just had to stop for a moment and I was like, you know what? This is going to be a great messy moment to share on the podcast. Not only is my daughter telling me what I should be doing as a parent, but my son is falling downstairs and here we are. <laughs> That's like a day you're like, I'm killing it at this parenting thing. <laughs> Incredible <laughs> mom so moment. Good. Yeah. Mom of the year right here. It's, but hey, you're right. The consolation prize is you get to share this to mass amounts of people publicly. How great. Exactly. And if for any if for any reason our messy moments incite um, any feelings of judgment from our listeners, I would really encourage you to send in your messy moments so that we could also share them on the podcast. Um, Just public humiliation. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Sit in your own messy moments. We all got them. We're just public with ours. We do. We do. Well, everybody, we are going to jump right into it. Um, And we're going to start off with this question. And I will kick it over to you, Ellen, to answer first. But what do you and I remember about the 
early teen years of navigating our identity? Yeah, you know, first I would say identity, what I've realized, at least in my life, is that identity really is a lifelong pursuit, right? I just think we all feel it mostly, like the squeeze of it in our preteen and teen years, because we're in a really important time in life where we're, our identity is shifting from coming solely from those within our home, right? Our parents mostly. And then, you know, in, in our early childhood, it moves friends in, into the friend zone as well, like friends and parents kind of equally make up our identity. Then when we get into like late middle school, early high school, then it really mostly becomes about others outside of your home, right? So this is like known as a crisis in development clinically, right? When you're like, oh my gosh, who am I while I'm breaking away from my family, which is a good thing. We need to break away from our families, can't rely on that forever, right? But this is a big crisis in identity, one that never really fully ends, but that feels most um, difficult within these teen years. So yeah, I remember, you know, mostly my identity was, I was very anxious about it. I was very anxious to to name it, right? To have it settled. Like I wanted to be rooted. I wanted to be set. I wanted to feel secure in who I was and what I liked. And, you know, I just wanted to know, feel concrete in it. And I just didn't. I think especially because for me, I tied so much of my identity to other people. Like I literally remember being in my freshman Italian class thinking, I wasn't listening at all to what this lady was saying in Italian. I kept thinking, who am I? I am so-and-so's friend. I am so-and-so's girlfriend. I am so-and-so's roommate. Like my identity was tied to everyone else. And I think, no wonder, I felt like I was on this identity roller coaster. Like I just didn't know who I was because it was tied to other people and other people change and they they can't perfectly define who you are. So yeah, it was very anxiety provoking. It was very tied to other people. And I just felt unsettled in it for so long. And so what I would do is I would quickly like quickly, but also deeply latch on to a person or um, a hobby, an interest, and like quickly assign that to my identity. And I would go really deep in it really quickly to try to find some sort of comfort in that being part of my whole identity. And I think what I did is I tried to let one thing or one person define me fully instead of feeling like I could have identity from multiple areas and that be okay. So that's what I remember. Yeah, and that's great. And uh, you touch on a point that I think we're going to circle back to later on in the episode, but the identity that we have also in our culture, right? Because you are Italian. So here you are taking an Italian Mm. class. And again, I don't know if that had anything to do with this moment of like trying to grasp identity, but I'm my children are biracial and I am currently reading a book called How to Raise Multiracial Children. And it has been really insightful for me to... Um, even learn how those who are biracial or, you know, have are multi-ethnic, how they're also another layer of grasping for their identity. And so um, I know I have a couple other thoughts that I'll share later on in the podcast, but I do think that that is also another interesting perspective in what you were sharing. Um, I think for me, I played sports since I was in seventh grade. I don't think I really before seventh grade had a had a hard time uh, with my identity in particular. I think I was the youngest girl of two older brothers. uh, And that was kind of like it was just my birth order, if you will, like, oh, I'm just a little sister and I can grab a hold of that identity. But where Mm -hmm. my identity in the teen years really started to form was I... 
am about 5'10", and I was probably 5'8 in eighth grade. And so I was, I mean, so tall in comparison to the boys and girls that I was around. And I played basketball. And I, because I was bigger, I was able to just, and a little bit more athletic, I I was a little bit more standing. I I stood out a little bit more than everybody else. Um, And what I quickly grabbed a hold of was, oh, I get attention. And therefore, the attention with sports is my identity because the better I play, the better Mm. I perform, the more attention I get. Um, I mean, I also, I mean, I like the sport, but I think it was, I was Morgan, the basketball player. Um, I was Morgan, the tall girl. I was Morgan, uh, you know, the person who wanted to go play basketball in college. And I mean, even still to this day, uh, people remember me as the basketball player. Uh, It's really, really interesting. (laughs) So I think uh, the one thing that stood out to me the most as I look back is I think I suffered from people not looking past my basketball identity. I was so much, I am so much more of a person than that. And I think because that was such a pivotal and um, identity piece on the outside, it was easier for people to grab a hold of that for me too. So uh, I, that's, that's, I think my earliest memories of what my search for identity was. Uh, and so as you can tell, Ellen and I enjoy embarrassing ourselves on this podcast. <laughs> so in light of that, uh, we both have an embarrassing story from that stage of life. Ellen, would you like to grace us with your embarrassing story first? Yeah, I mean, just in talking about identity, right? Like this was a time in my life that I remember. I remember being really afraid of trying new things out in my identity, right? Like I remember feeling like, oh, people are going to judge me if I'm into this or identify as whatever, right? Make this thing a part of my identity. But it was also a time where it was, it felt appropriate to do that, right? To like test the waters and to see what are my interests? What do I like, right? And so one of the ways I tried to do that. Now, keep in mind, I grew up very insecure in my femininity, very different from my mom and a lot of the other women that I, you know, young women, my peers that I grew up with, like I had curly hair, they didn't, right? I was thicker than they were. They were all stick skinny, right? So I just noticed a lot of differences. I didn't have the same interests. And so I just decided instead of trying to fit into like size zero um, American Eagle jeans, which is what all my peers wore at the time, <laughs> American right? Eagle, yes. <laughs> right? Shout out to the early 2000s. Yes, exactly. I was going to do my own thing. So I remember I bought this pair of jeans that I was really into and they accidentally, I don't know how, but they got bleached, right? So there was like bleach, like it wasn't even like cool. It was like bleach splotches everywhere, right? And I was like, whatever, I think I look great in them. So I wore them, but then I, so I would wear those jeans around, right? And then my other go-to outfit was sweatpants. They were these purple mesh sweatpants with like a racing stripe down the side. (laughs) And then I would pair it with like a frilly floral blouse and some pearls. (laughs) I wish you could see the look Morgan is giving me right now. 
<laughs> online. But um, yeah, I just was like, what an identity I, it crisis. Was sort of, right? What? A, yeah, it was clear, right? I was screaming out for help. Somebody help me. But I just remember it was kind of like my rebellion mm. to my femininity in a way, right? I remember being like, I'm sick of feeling out of place as a woman. And so I'm going to make up my own thing. I'm going to wear these my peers called them my cow pants, right? Because these look like cow prints all over my uh, bleached jeans there. And then, you know, a lot of people commented on this like racing stripe mesh purple pant blouse combo, right? But I just remember being like, this is me right now. Like, I don't want to conform to what traditional femininity says. And so that was kind of my rebellion, my really embarrassing rebellion. <laughs> yeah. And and I can relate, actually. It's, it's interesting. I hadn't thought of this a moment before when we were preparing for this, but it just popped into my mind. I think in line with what you're sharing as far as the moment when you realize your body isn't like everybody else's. And I think in the teen years, Mm -hmm. that can show itself in a lot of different ways. And in fifth grade, I wanted to be a cheerleader, which again, just take into consideration. If I was 5'8 in eighth grade, I was probably like 5'5 in fifth grade. And mm-hmm. I really wanted to be the girl that they like threw into the air. I wanted to be the flyer. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a, I think she was in eighth grade, but she was like, I weigh 88 pounds. And I was like, I weigh a hundred oh. pounds. And I, and it was one of those moments that like, I realized mm-hmm. I was bigger. I realized that I was taller. I, and I would never get to be the flyer and it was a moment in time that has definitely stuck with me over the years. And I think then I I embraced my masculinity, if you will, like being taller, being mm-hmm. bigger, which was great for basketball and very much praised in basketball, but uh, not necessarily in the mm, societal group that I was a part of or the cheerleading group mm-hmm. that I was part of. So that quickly my cheerleading career quickly ended after that. Uh, but my most embarrassing story, I think, is just around basketball with puberty and my body changing. I mean, my feet were so stinky. You could ask my mom to attest to this, but I didn't realize like your body starts to produce odor. So as I'm like embracing my basketball identity, my mom is like, girlfriend, we we really need to start being aware of our bodies and how they're changing. And I also was like, mom, why don't any of the boys want to date me? And as I look around and I'm like three feet taller than all of them. And I was like, oh, OK, I, I think I get it now. Right. Like all of mine had to do with like <laughs> how big I was and my body and and all that good stuff. So definitely embarrassing. We don't know if any of you guys can relate, but I'm sure you can think of a time that you remember from your early teens or preteens that uh, these moments of identity really start to to come into play. Yeah. One thing we weren't going to talk about in this podcast necessarily, but we're kind of hitting on it is another reason this is such a crisis in people's lives usually is because of puberty, right? Like you're trying to figure out who you are right at the time that your body is changing drastically, right? And you're not aware as much of social norms as you are when you're older. And right, like you said, like, oh, I didn't even realize my feet were stinky, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, like, I remember too, my parents telling me like, oh, it's time to, you know, like shave your unibrow or, (laughs) you know, like put on deodorant, right? Like, (laughs) talk about 
about Italian. They were trying to save me from the infamous Italian unibrow. But right, like I was super ashamed and embarrassed, like, oh, I didn't know that, right? And so I think if I were to say a word of caution to parents around puberty, your kids are just, you know, like think about like you're taught when they were toddlers and they don't know what's happening to their bodies. It's scary. They don't know what's expected of their bodies or of social norms, right? So be gentle with them as you're teaching them, but also normalize it, right? Be gentle, but normalize. Like it's normal to be taller. It doesn't mean you're odd, right? It's normal to be stinky. That's good. So it's not good, but it's normal, right? To have that happen. And it's good to wear deodorant and, you know, whatever odor correcting footwear. I don't know. Um, So, you know, normalize it, but don't shame. Morgan, as we're talking about, you know, how difficult these years are, the the preteen, teen years, what advice would you have for uh, teens going through this time? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think I touched on it, touched on it a little bit earlier in the podcast. But the fact that we can, there are a lot of things that we can identify with, right? So that could be a club at school, that could be our racial identity, uh, that could be our cultural identity that doesn't even align with what our our uh, identified race is. Uh, it could be sports, it could even be church, like the fun social aspect of church and the friends that you have there. And I think to what you said just a few minutes ago that, you know, inherently these things aren't bad. These are great communities and groups of people to be a part of. But when we start to put all of our identity into these individual buckets, it gives so much power to things when they fall apart. Right. So for example, I played basketball all the way through college. But the moment I graduated from college in 2012, I lost what my biggest identifier was, which was I was Morgan, the athlete. Mm. What happens then, right? Like what happens when that falls apart? What if your family um, is, uh, your parents end up separating? What if, and you have your identity Mm. in your family? Uh, What if you... um, you know, are going to a church and then you no longer go there anymore, right? So I think you follow where I'm going, which is, hey, if we put all of our identity into one thing, that can set us up to for a lot of heartbreak and a lot of identity crisis later on. Uh, and then I think on top of that, being able to figure out in a very, which this is hard, right, as a teen or a preteen, and then this is where we're, we're going to talk about parents next, but Like, how do you choose what to put your identity and how much of your identity are you going to place in that? Right. So like from a racial and cultural perspective, I am white and I will always be white. So that is something that I can put a lot of my identity in because that will never change. But there are things that can change and will change based on circumstances. Uh, Mm. So so I think that would be my advice to teens is like, don't just grab a hold of the shiny penny or the really cool thing that people are doing uh, really, one, like if you want to talk to God about it, do that. But talk to your parents about it. Talk to spiritual mentors about it, um, because this is going to be an important part of your character forming as well. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, you know, I think when you're when we're thinking, huh, what advice would I give to my former teen self? Right. And obviously, I would say, 
find your identity in Christ. Like that's the only place that it makes sense, right? That's the only stable place to feel secure in who you are. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know that now. Um, and I like to explain it to people like I, I try to aim for, right? Um, if I think about my, my identity, my heart, my soul, right? Like a cup, I try to fill up that cup with God completely. And then all these other identity markers sort of make it overflow, right? But it's full, filled up first and foremost with God. But I, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, I think as a teenager, I would not have been able to grasp onto that or comprehend that or do that, right? That didn't even really make sense to me at the time, put my identity in Christ. What does that even mean? So I would say exactly what you said, Morgan, right? Like it, I think about it sometimes like a healthy diet, right? Um, It's good to eat broccoli. It's good to eat grains, right? But if that's all we're eating, that's really unhealthy. We have to have a well-balanced diet in order to be healthy. And I think our identity kind of works the same way, right? Like we can't overlatch to one piece of identity or one group of friends or one hobby or one interest, like you said, when it goes away, then we feel as if our entire identity is stripped. And that's really a terrible way to live. I lived that way before and it is awful. So that would be my advice too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, we're going to wrap up the podcast with with this one last question. uh, And that is, and and I'm setting it up because Ellen is going to answer the the primary uh, responses to this question only because uh, spoiler alert, she has a really amazing book coming out next year. Uh, But uh, what advice would you give to parents of teens in this stage? Yeah, well, I do think that um, that is too much to answer in one podcast (laughs) because there's so much, right? So I would say read that. I wouldn't say really awesome book, but I try to catalog some of that in the upcoming book that I have, right? But um, But I would just say in a really zoomed out summary type of way, this is uh, a mark of endurance, right? Like the preteen, the teenage years are so incredibly difficult. I often call it the bridge between teaching them in the way they should go and them not departing from it when they're older, right? Like this is the bridge when everything feels so chaotic, so scary. And sometimes we try to overemphasize the behavior, right? You got to come to church. You got to get baptized. You got to say this, do this, be into that, right? And we give our kids the wrong impression. It's not about their behavior. It's about their heart. It's about us knowing them, right? And them knowing God and them knowing us, right? So um, I would say um, endure, endure this period of long suffering. It's difficult, but it is worth it to you know, offer that support to your children um, in this stage when things feel so chaotic and difficult for them, be that calm, safe oasis for them to kind of unpack and process what they're going through, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and then mostly just connect, 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 right? Um, Obviously, in a way, we're not supposed to exasperate our children, God says, right? So we don't want to like overly pursue them. But we do want to assure them that even though they're super difficult in this stage, (laughs) sometimes they're extra prickly, we don't always want to be around them, right? That we still love them. We still want to know them. I like to think about the term that Hagar used for God, El Roy, right? The God who sees me. And so that would be my my advice to all the parents. Strive to see your children in this stage. Really let them know you see them and you love them as they are. I love that. You said two things, calling your child prickly. That's such a good analogy because you want to like snuggle them and sometimes they're just a little bit prickly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. to the Elroy, right? Like be mm-hmm. be a parent who sees. And the only thing that I'll add in to to wrap us up is that 
when your child is sharing, right? Ellen's saying like, oh, be be a safe place and be a parent who wants to listen and wants to engage. Sometimes that is really hard. I mean, I've already had moments with my four-year-old who she's sharing things with me and my heart is breaking. My stomach is in knots. Mm. There's things that I just is so hard to hear, but our reactions are everything. And when I think back to my parents and when I was going through my identity crisis, in my preteen and teen years, their stability, their uh, love in their response said more than um, a lot of the words that they actually said, the way that they were able to remain calm, even though they didn't agree with everything that I was sharing at the time uh, and that I was a little bit prickly, they were willing to, to walk through that with me. So uh, we hope that you enjoyed our podcast today talking about how to figure out your identity. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys on our next episode. Thank you for listening to Home From Home. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description. Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.